Hey guys, welcome to episode three of the podcast. I'm Ashley. Well, hello, I'm Lainey. And this is Haunted Real Estate. So let's begin our story with John Bell. This is where the story gets its name. John was born in 1750 in North Carolina. His father was a successful farmer. John was brought up to be a farmer as well, and he had an impeccable work ethic. This is brought up several times that he was a workhorse. So before he became a full-time farmer, he was a cooper. And in case What's you... A cooper? Okay. Thank oh, you. You just said in case. <laughs> Sorry. No, that's perfect. Um... So a uh, cooper is actually a barrel maker. So they um, oh. they will sometimes make other things like troughs and stuff like that. But essentially they're working with wood and they're mostly associated as barrel makers. Very cool. So this was a very valued trade of the time. I was about to say it seems valuable now even though factories can make them. But I know, but the quality. Yeah. And so much of it, like so much is just made out of plastic. Yeah, it's definitely not great quality. I understood why you and dad bought those barrels when you did, when you found them. Oh yeah. My dad and I bought some real wine barrels. Um, there's a wine vineyard at like 45 minutes away from us in College Station and they sell their wine barrels when they're done with them. So they're just like real wood and just much more pretty than... Of course, then when it came to cutting it in half to make planters out of it, my husband just didn't like, you know, draw anything on it. And so when he cut it, it looked like it was in a swirl. So that's fun. But anyway, it actually didn't survive Harvey. That's when it broke. It got so filled with water with the soil in there, it busted. That's a bummer. Uh, So according to friends and family of the Bells, he was also quite a looker. Uh, a fine gentleman, and many a woman found him to be a catch. I love how you always talk about the attractive men on the pod. You know, because they always tell me, and I feel like I need to share it, like, this guy was good looking, but if somebody is, okay, I'm not going to talk about people being unattractive unless they also have, like, a really unattractive personality because it just adds to the unattractiveness. I mean, I took note that you didn't talk about Hitler's great looks, so. Well, that's because he booty. (laughs) Yes. Anyway. He had the means to provide for a family. He had lots of qualities that women look for in a man. Uh, John uh, met and fell in love with Lucy Williams, and they married in 1782. So I'm just going to point this out because I I go down little rabbit holes when I see something. I'm like, oh, that's interesting. I need to look into that. I was thinking that 32, because he would have been 32 here when he married, was old for the 1700s to get married. I was Um, thinking that too, because I'm 32 and I'm not married, but that's more normal than it was in the 1700s. Yeah, exactly. And so I was thinking the same thing. Uh, I think it's just because I also don't pay attention to ages and stuff when they, I don't know, when they say it in stories and stuff. It should be a granddaddy by now. Right? (laughs) So I looked into it and for the time period, it was about average for a man of 27, 28 to marry and women in their mid 20s. So he wasn't far off the mark. I literally thought, man, this guy's ancient getting married. Why'd he wait? But it's actually not that old, just so you know. Still offended by this. I mean, ancient. Because <laughs> you're an ancient, you ancient, decrepit single God. woman. Spinster. <sighs> um, she's not, by the way, decrepit. Oh, I was like, single? Where is he? <laughs> So they married in North Carolina. Lucy was also known to be attractive. See, I'll I'll tell you the women are attractive too. Um, She was said to be attractive, very smart and graceful, quite a catch for the time, but 
also, I would say, a catch for this time, too, because those are just great qualities in any woman. Her father approved of John, and they were wed. Uh, as a gift, Lucy's father gave her um, a slave girl, which we know that this was an unfortunate commonality for the time. No comment there. Okay. Fair <laughs> enough. Her name was Chloe. So one thing about John is he hated debt and owing people money. He did what most don't and actually saved for the things that he wanted and taught his children to do the same. John saved his money and was able to buy a farm in North Carolina. So John and Lucy, who are very strong Baptists, which is important to the story because they are not, you know, like liars, ghosts, you know, they, they're not looking after any of this stuff. They're strong Baptists and they're always trying to find a logical explanation to any of these weird things that happen. Got it. They were very devout. And in 1804, after having six children together, and Chloe, the slave girl, having had eight children, they're now a family of 17. Holy moly. Yeah. So they needed more space. That was a necessity. I'm glad Chloe and the kids at least got to live with a family and it wasn't like Chloe yeah. separated from her family. Yeah. Okay. I don't know Chloe's story, so I don't want to say too much about that because I don't know definitively. I think she had like separate quarters and stuff on the I'm property. Sure. But... Yeah. But at least she was with her family. That's yeah. All as far, yeah. As far as we know. So the Bells moved from North Carolina to Red River, Tennessee, which today is Adams, Tennessee. This location is about 40 miles north of Nashville. They had built on approximately 1,000 acres of land. After moving to Red River, the Bells had three more children. So by 1817, they had ended up with seven boys and two girls, which is an indisputably a lot of kids. That hurts my, my lady parts right now <laughs> thinking about, about it. <laughs> Yes, that is a lot of kids. Um, but farmers were known to have many children because you wanted to basically... You need labor. Yeah, exactly. You need labor to run your farm. And later, of course, they would also inherit land. So they're continuing on the family business. So it was pretty common uh, for farmers to have a lot of kids and especially in rural areas. So Red River was an ideal location for farming because not only was it up against the Red River, but um, also used as a transportation route. Because remember, we don't have cars here at this time, so you're basically going horse and wagon or by boat. So this was very convenient. So some of the sons got into the boating business when they came of age. Once uh, they would drop, they would take the goods from the farm, drop off the goods wherever they were going, usually somewhere going down the Red River. Then they would sell even the boat off because they just made flat boats and they basically got their use after the one time. And then um, I assume they were going down river. They would just walk back. Um, and by the time they made it back to the property, it was time to build more boats and get back on the boat and go sell off the produce. What a daily plan. So like lots of exercise, which is great. Yeah. So well, but you're taking like months to get back because they would go from like Tennessee into, you know, Mississippi and stuff. Yeah, and then yeah. they'd be walking back to another state. So, uh, so yeah. you're not talking like okay. you're back tomorrow building a boat. Like you're back like four months later building a boat. Uh, okay. I was fully picturing just going down yonder, you know, like two fields down. <laughs> <laughs> nope. Nope, not at all. Out of state. So in 1817, at their property, John was out in the cornfield when he came across a strange creature. No thanks. S yeah. Startled by its appearance when the it had the body of a dog and the head of a rabbit, he said. So he shot at the strange animal. The animal, which basically was some kind of apparition, just faded away. So this was the first encounter. And there are several encounters with 
weird creatures here, but they seem to all believe that it's still the Bell Witch. They're not separate things, um, that she can come in many forms. A rabbit slash dog sounds kind of cute. I mean, it would scare me because it's <laughs> unknown. You know what's funny? Is like, it doesn't sound that different. Dogs have four legs. Bunnies do. I know, but like my dumbass is realizing, like, or realizing, is thinking of like a pit bull body with like a little cute bunny rabbit and it's not matching. And for some reason, I can't think of anything different. Oh, well, that's, yeah, that's a little scary. I mean, if Especially it's like, in the woods. I guess if it's like a dachshund body and a rabbit, you're just like... Oh, that's just a silly looking rabbit, I guess. But... I'm just envisioning a cute little puppy and a cute little bunny. No, for some reason, I'm envisioning like a mastiff with like a <laughs> tiny bunny head. That's probably what they saw, so you're more accurate. I, I have no idea. So, John went ahead about his day as usual, thinking that was weird, but let's move on. And again, very devout, there had to be a logical explanation. Uh, but there were other strange incidences that day after a lovely family dinner. There was banging on the interior doors of the home and on the walls. Now, this started to become a very frequent occurrence in the home, and I can only imagine with a household of 20 people, any kind of supernatural happenings would just drive everybody wild. Oh my god, I would think it was the kids. <laughs> can you imagine with like 20 people, it's just like your brain would not go to supernatural. You'd just be like, it's gotta be one of the terrible seven that we have that would do this to us. Yeah. So... Just FYI, Lainey and I are have the same mom and dad, but we're the only two that have the same mom and dad. You know, then we have like half siblings and stuff. Um, so we're, we're two the, of seven. So in you know in one household, you know you're one of four, and another her household we're one of five. And so anyway, it's it's all been very blended. But so there was always a lot of kids around, and and mostly girls. There's only one boy in our family. <laughs> well, it's like remember if like you know Megan would say like oh there's a ghost out the window or something. You, we would freak out and yeah. we set each other off. So I'm just thinking a household of twenty. Oh yeah, everybody They're, went wild. Just yeah, it just descended into chaos. I'm sure. So these sounds started happening night after night. Trying to find a logical explanation for this, each night when it started happening, John Bell and his boys would run outside hoping to catch whomever was doing this. Of course, they never found anyone, but the occurrences kept happening. Now, as a funny side note, I like to read my notes to Casey before I read them with Lainey. Just first, I want to read them through and make sure everything makes sense. Casey's her husband, if you don't know. Yes. She, just, she refers to him as husband prior. What? Husband prior? You have all... You have... <laughs> My first husband. <laughs> no. It sounds like I call you, him you, husband no, prior. No, you always say my husband, my husband. You okay. never have used his name before. From here on out, it's Casey. Casey Jabara. Sometimes Cassius. Um, <laughs> okay, so it's a funny side note. When I was actually reading this part of the notes to him, he's laughing. And I was like, what the heck are you laughing at? And he said the scene reminded him of signs when Mel Gibson. <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm like laughing thinking about it. When Mel Gibson and Joaquin Phoenix run outside because they thought there were kids messing with Do you remember this? Yes. It was the first time they saw an alien and they thought it was just kids messing with him. And Mel Gibson runs out because jo Joaquin Phoenix tells him to like act crazy like you're going to fight him because you're trying to scare these kids <laughs> off. And he runs out and he goes, I'm insane with anger. I'm losing my mind. So now in my head, that's John Bell and his sons running around the house trying to figure out what the heck is happening, and that they come awesome. up with nothing. That's funny, because when we were talking about our siblings, I was thinking how, you know, Megan would scare us, uh, Mallory would, you know, be like more of a protective mother type, and then I got grounded for showing Madison signs. <laughs> <laughs> like... 
Okay, I showed her way worse, so I know. that's really funny. I just never forget getting grounded for that. Um. I love <laughs> being the person who first shows a kid of reasonable age, okay? What's reasonable to you might not be the same as what's reasonable to me, but let's say 10-ish. Um, to show them their first scary movie, I really thrive on that. So, anyway. It's a good I'd, feeling. Yeah. So, after the banging, now the children started to freak out because they heard rats were eating away at their bedposts. Now, this was just the sound of rats and their giant friggin' teeth gnawing away at the wood of the bedpost. Thank you, Lainey. <laughs> so, this, I'm actually just going to read it from the book because the authenticated history of the Bell Witch... Uh, are accounts that people gave uh, to Ingram and that he put in there and he was actually friends with one of the sons. So this is actually from a manuscript from Richard Bell and he called it Our Family Trouble, written in 1846. He says, I remember it was a Sunday night just after the family retired. A noise commenced in our room like a rat gnawing vigorously on the bedpost. John and Drew got up to kill the rat, but the moment they got to bed, the noise ceased. They examined the bed the the bedstead. Okay, that was a really hard word for me, by the way, <laughs> when I was reading that even earlier, because I don't say bedstead. Um, but discovered no marks made by a rat. As soon as they returned to bed, the noise commenced again, and thus continued a late hour or sometime after midnight, and we were all up half a dozen times or, or more searching the room all over, every nook and corner for a rat, turning over everything and could find nothing, not even a crevice by which a rat could possibly enter. This kind of noise continued night after night, week after week, and all of our investigations were in vain. The room was overhauled several times. They had moved everything. They carefully examined uh, with the same result. He says, finally, when we would search for the rat in the room, the same noises would appear in his sister Elizabeth's room. Elizabeth... <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'll stop doing that. Elizabeth also goes by Betsy, so you might hear her... Some, when Richard talks about her, he calls her Elizabeth. When you hear about her in other stories, she's referred to as Betsy. Uh, so those are the same people. So the rat would appear in, in Sister Elizabeth's chamber, disturbing her and arousing all the family. And so it continued going from room to room, stopping when we were all up and commencing again as soon as we returned to bed. And so exceedingly annoying that no one could sleep. The noise was, after a while, accompanied by a scratching sound like a dog clawing on the floor Ugh. and increased in force until it became evidently too strong for a rat. Then every room in the house was torn up, the furniture, beds, and clothing carefully examined, and still nothing irregular found. So then following these unexplained unexplainable scratching and gnawing sounds, the children would start having their blankets torn off of them and pillows ripped out from under them. So in Richard's account, he also says, occasionally you'd hear the sounds of heavy stones falling on the floor, then like trace chains dragging and chairs falling over. I call to mind my first lively experience, something a boy not likely to forget. We had become somewhat used to the mysterious noise and tried to dismiss it from mind, taking every opportunity for a nap. The family all retired early and I had just fallen fallen into a sweet doze when I felt my hair begin to twist mm. and then a sudden jerk which raised me it felt like the top of my head was taken off oh my gosh yeah immediately Joel yelled out in great fright the next Elizabeth was screaming in her room and ever after that something was continually pulling her hair after she retired to bed this transaction frightened so badly that father and mother remained up nearly all night. So there was no sign of any human person doing to th them to this. It was just some sort of entity. And again, finding some sort of logical explanation for this was near to impossible. 
I would, I like that makes my eyes water thinking about someone pulling my hair like that. Especially that hard if he felt like he was basically scalped. No, um, and after incidences like crickets in my hair and yes. I also had another incident I'm sure I'll share later with a spider crawling on my chest in the middle of the night. I'm really sensitive to certain tickles or touches at night because I just... Next, I'm going to have a snake in my bed because my daughter loves snakes. So I'm sure one's going to get loose. So I'm just very sensitive to that. So anything twisting my hair, I, I mean, I'd be in an absolute panic. Weird and unexplained occurrences kept happening and kept getting stranger and stranger. Then they began to hear voices. Really? One voice? She called herself Kate. Kate referred to John Bell as Old Jack. Jack? Jack. Oh. You know how they like used to call John, or I say used to, maybe oh, they yeah, still do, John's call Jack. John's yeah. Jack's. Now the part of Kate is murky because this part of the story is heavily debated as really to who Kate was. Like, was she a person that anybody knew? Was she really a Kate? So there was a neighbor named Kate, um, but she actually died long after John Bell. Um, of course, there could be two Kates, but it was the neighbor, supposedly that the neighbor Kate, they had disputes over land. She wanted to be the original John and Kate plus eight. <laughs> Well, that would piss off anybody, right? <laughs> yes. Where are they now? I don't know. So supposedly they had a dispute over land. She cursed John and in her death became the entity that they were experiencing. I don't think that's correct. Again, just because there was Kate, a neighbor, and she died. I don't quote me, but I think it's like 1846. So, and that was like over 20 years after John died. So I don't think that's the correct story. Uh, there's another theory that Kate uh, and John were previously engaged and he broke it off and married Lucy and she was a scorned lover who wanted to torment them, but mostly John. So again, take what you want from that. There's just no definitive answer. Um, so after this voice was low, it was hard to hear. So people couldn't really understand what she was saying, but they could hear it was a voice. So according to accounts, it sounded like it was an elderly, elderly woman singing hymns. Um, but again, it was low. <laughs> Now, like she, now, like we said, the Bells be, were devout Christians. They did not want this getting out. But like any human being, you still want validation. Um, so, like, I mean, they just wanted validation that this, in fact, was happening because old girl Kate which I'm going to call her Kate for the sake of the story. I'm not saying she is or isn't a Kate, but anyway, she then took her hauntings to the next level. She became very violent. She started beating the youngest daughter, Betsy <gasps> Bell. Oh my gosh. Yeah. That's Who, so traumatizing. It is. And why she focused on her, I do not know. Do you know how old Bessie was at the time? Literally, that's my next thing. Okay. Betsy was... back. Bexy. Bexy. Betsy was approximately 11 at the time. Um, she would be beat, slapped, and she had welts on her body. And even sometimes there were handprints that were left on her body if after being slapped. If child was attacked like that, I would be moving out of state. I yeah. mean, I know it's hard to move a whole clan of 20. 20. <laughs> but jeez. Hop in the RV and yeah. mosey on out. So this is where the Bell parents needed answers and help. John Bell invited a neighbor and their good friend, James Johnston, and his wife to stay at the house with them for a night uh, to see what their take was on all of this. Also devout Christians, uh, the Johnstons went in thinking that there had to be a logical explanation and it couldn't be a ghost or some kind of supernatural entity. So the evening went well without any supernatural happenings, but once the Johnstons went to bed, this is where Kate really likes to mess with people. Of course. James received a similar 
treatment to what Betsy had been experiencing. He was suddenly slapped and the covers were ripped off of him. And then he began to yell at the spirit and Richard quotes him and his, uh, what I call a manuscript. I was like manifesto, forgot, <laughs> forgot the word, uh, and his manuscript as Johnson saying, in the name of the Lord, what or who are you? What do you want? And why are you here? That was gorgeous. It, that, well done. <laughs> that was the exact audio. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> there was no reply. And so they decided, oh, all right, let's go, go back to sleep. My thought is, how the heck do you go back to the, to the, to sleep? the sleep? To the sleep. I don't know. I was going to say the bed or whatever. How the heck do you go back to sleep after being slapped in the face? What yeah. are you telling yourself in your head? Was that a gust of wind and somehow just smacked you in the face? Yeah, my slumber would be ruined forever. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I'm just, I'd have to just meander on out of there. Um, but I always think about that in movies. Like, what are they thinking? Like, when you're being chased, why are you running upstairs? Or, hello, when people have multiple physical encounters with some sort of entity. And they stay there. Why are you staying there? And you keep trying to come up with an excuse. Or somebody tells you, like, you're crazy. That's not happening. And they're like, okay. Yeah, I, I know a lot of people don't believe in supernatural. But, like, if that happened, your butt better be running out of the house because, no, you can't explain it. You might sound crazy to somebody else who doesn't believe, but you were just assaulted. Yeah. So, my take on that is, right, if this is my house, I'm going to leave for the time. But I'm coming back with a pastor or priest and we're going to bless the house and do whatever we can because it is still your house. So I understand that you're not just going to up and leave forever, but do something. I would make friends with someone else accused of a, as a witch and be like, hey, come over and sage my house and just, you know, be like our witch guardian. You want to fight fire with fire. <laughs> yes. So in the morning, the Johnston shared what had happened to them with the bells and the Johnston said the encounter was, quote, an evil spirit, the kind the Bible talks about. Still not calling their local priest or pastor. Time went on and the occurrences didn't stop. Richard Bell, which again, like I said, is one of the sons, also said that it became their norm to see flickering lights like candles or lamps flittering across the yard through the field. In addition, Kate's voice continued to get louder and started addressing them individually. She got louder and more clear. She also started to become more violent towards John and, again, the youngest daughter, Betsy. So oh they, gosh, they're probably giving her like more life by interacting with her. Yeah, I, yeah, exactly. Because you always hear that like it always starts out subtly and grows worse and worse, and yeah. like it's feeding on you somehow. Yeah, you're just ugh. That, no, what why movie? not call the priest? I mean, it can't hurt anything. It just it makes me think of The Conjuring when things start out subtle with yeah. like weird sulfur smells or doors opening on their own, but then you're literally like seeing ghosts, doors are closing, and um, yeah, you think they'd come in pulling, with a bang, just yeah. like totally scared the exactly. shit out of you. I do. I think they, from what I understand, again, no, this has not happened to me, but I think they just feed on you. So, like I said, her voice started out low, it got louder and more clear, and she started addressing family members personally. Um, I will say that supposedly she was very nice to the wife, Lucy. Um, I think this is where people get this scorned lover theory that she focused more on John out of revenge. But I don't know. Is the scorned lover going to be kind to the wife? I, I don't know. But there's uh, one account that she even quoted word for word two different sermons that were given the same day 13 miles away from each other. 
just to talk about the voices that were heard. They were heard by many. Um, and I mean, it's we're going to get to the point here in a few minutes where there's going to be many people that show up to visit the property once word gets out after the Johnstons had been there. There are many skeptics that say they think uh, the boys that were the travelers on the boats selling off the produce and stuff, that in their travels they picked up ventriloquism and that they taught it to their sister Betsy. A lot of people don't believe this because, again, like we said, Betsy was beat, but it's a theory nevertheless. I, I don't think it's true just because the Bells did try to keep this a secret for a long time. And they didn't, to my knowledge, they did not profit from this. So they didn't really have anything to gain from, from yeah. this. And in, the, <clears throat> and in the 1800s... Well, they probably didn't want to be accused of like a witchcraft or yeah, something. Yeah, one of them no. being a witch. Yeah, literally, that's coming up in my notes soon. That this isn't—I mean, this is a little over a hundred years after the Salem witch trials. Well, more than a little, but I mean, the witch trials we still look at today and use that as historical reference for a lot of things. But yeah, of that's exactly right. I don't think they'd be want one. They don't want to be accused of witchcraft, and also they're devout Christians. They're very well respected members of the community. So whether it was the Bell or the Johnstons, word got out that the Bell property was haunted. Then it started receiving a lot of attention. After super, uh, anything supernatural related for the time, if you guys think back, is going to be considered some kind of witchery. Again, back to the Salem witch trials. Anything weird that happened is going to, is just going to be accused that someone's a witch. So no one really thought of her as just a ghost. She had to be a witch too. So as word got out, many visitors came to the property. There were hundreds of witnesses that claimed to have seen or heard the entity because Kate did not stop for visitors. She continued on her antic, antics, which I guess is a good thing because it gave validity to the bells and that they were not crazy. I think Kate just wanted to be like popular. <laughs> she just wanted everyone to know who she was. <laughs> exactly. Well, everyone did know who she was. And that's where the story I feel like is really creepy because there are so many accounts of witnesses that saw her. So it's not just one potentially crazy family who's just making this up. You have visitors from all over and in the yeah. book, The Authenticated History of the Bell Witch, it's all different accounts that people sent in to the writer of their experience with the Bell Witch. And then, or, go ahead. I'm sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt. Um, do you get into, I mean, I guess we don't know much of Kate's story, so we are you going to talk any further on her? Because um, I'm wondering if, like, so she's trying to tell her story of something terrible that happened to her. So she wants more people to look into her or well, know that she's there. There, No, we don't. We don't know who Kate is. Um, I'll just go ahead and say that. Spoiler alert. We don't know who Kate is. We just know all the theories that are out there. They're all completely different. So it's hard to say. But because of all these accounts, this is why this legend is so well known because it's not just one person or one family's claim. You're talking about hundreds of people, including their slaves, actually, who give accounts. So one of their slaves named Dean, he recounts that he was visited by the witch. Kate did not take kindly to the slaves either. Dean said she'd visit him as a dog, wolf, or some other two-headed canine, and she'd attack him. Two heads. Yeah. Dean began to carry an axe with him at all times. I don't believe he was killed or anything by her because there's there's another time where after John passes away, Dean is still around with uh, Lucy, the wife. But as, his, as her lover? No. Okay. <laughs> like, oh, so have some great spiciness in here, please. <laughs> No, there's not a whole lot of spiciness, sorry. Well, it's also said that Kate often prophesied. Uh, Richard Bell accounts that Kate told John Jr. that if he went on a trip he had been planning, he'd be gone a long time and he'd return empty-handed. 
and also that a woman from Virginia would be coming in who was very wealthy and that John Jr. would be taken with her. He dismissed this prophecy from this disembodied voice and went on to, with his trip. Six months later, he came back empty-handed, and there was, in fact, a woman from Virginia that did come to town, missing John Jr. completely, and they never wound up meeting. Oh. So that's the thing with this ghost. I'm like, she's, it, like, in some ways, like, she's trying to help you. Like, John Jr., go be happy with your life. Go do this, what I'm saying. And then other times, she's, uh... Terrorizing people. Kind of a bitch. Well, I'm just... <laughs> I feel like she has to be, like, I'm. what I'm gathering is something terrible, terrible happened to her. And she is trying to bring other people aware of her presence, but not explaining herself. Yeah, not that we know of. Like, And then there's other times where she's the Hallmark creator trying to create a love story or a happy <laughs> moment. The original Hallmark writer. <laughs> yes. Um, yeah, I, it's so weird. I, I just find the story so fascinating. I mean, and we could literally go into multiple episodes about this, which I'm not going to, but there are so many different accounts. I'm just giving you a tip of the iceberg, if you will. Um, just the tip, you say. <laughs> <laughs> so one of the many visitors was former general and American president, Andrew Jackson. He had heard the story and wanted to pay a visit to the Bells. So in 1819, Andrew Jackson showed up coming in his wagon. And as he approaches the property, his men got stuck. The wagon stopped and they were supposedly stuck in mud. The wagon, the horses, not, like it, none of it could get pulled out. The men tried to help. None of it would budge. Andrew Jackson said, By eternal boys, this must be the Bell Witch. <laughs> Suddenly, Kate's voice um, told Jackson and his men they could proceed, but that they would be visited later that evening. And miraculously, they were unstuck and were able to move forward on the property. Side note, when I read my kids' books, I like to do voices because I feel like it helps, like, give the character some character. So I'm just going to do that sometimes, okay? You're just great. I like to do a lot of voices, too, but I'm not reading off anything, so I don't want to just jump in and be like... <laughs> yeah, I'm for sure, thousand percent, no Robin Williams or Martin Short or anything. I have no talent for it. I just like to do it for fun. And I even read to my son's class before, and I was doing some voices. So I it's something I just feel like I have to do for some reason. Hey, some people at my old job told me I should be a voice actor, because I would answer the phone in different voices. <laughs> That's funny. As much as you talk about hating your voice, someone's actually told you to be a voice actor. Because I can change my voice. That's funny. You just get to hear the nasally Laney on <laughs> the pod. The, that's the normal voice. I, I'll try to change it from here on out. <laughs> I'm going to talk like this. What? <laughs> Hello. Oh my gosh. So, since they were soldiers, they just pitched their tents in the front yard and were good to go. So, several of the men, including Jackson, were hanging out inside the house, and one of Jackson's men was a self-proclaimed, either called himself a witch tamer or a witch slayer. After a, so, yeah. After a while, uh, I guess the evening was a little too quiet and peaceful, this man said that he had a special silver bullet that was able to kill any evil spirit. He explained, Sounds like it's for vampires instead of No werewolves. Spirits. It's stakes for vampires and silver bullets but, for werewolves. Okay, but there's some vampire stuff. They don't like silver, silver crosses. We can move on. We're not talking about them, but... <laughs> we'll get in a heavy debate later. I'm gonna, yes. We actually have our second Thanksgiving meal today, so we'll save it for the family dinner. Oh, yeah, for sure. It's he going down. <laughs> Betch. Werewolves both versus vampires. <laughs> he explained that the evening had been peaceful because of his silver bullet. Well, now he'd gone and done it, and he pissed off the witch. 
So the man began screaming and looked like he was being tossed in different directions or pulled in different directions. Then he was literally kicked out the front door. The witch loudly announced him as a fraud and said that there was another fraud amongst Jackson's group. She said she would identify him the following evening. In my opinion, I really think she just wanted them to hang around longer because why wouldn't you identify that immediately? Like, and oh, hey, Bill over there, he a fraud. Yeah, Um, and Mr. President is there. Uh, but uh, Kate's Mysterioso. Um, so she said, hang around. I'll tell you tomorrow. And um, sorry, I just lost my train of thought. So the men obviously wanted to leave the farm immediately. Jackson wanted to stay because he was interested in who this other fraud was amongst his group. But this is a part that's not clear as to what happened. We know Jackson wanted to stay. His men wanted to leave. But it was not long after bedtime or very early morning after they had retired to their tents, that they packed up and left. Jackson said, I'd rather fight the British at New Orleans than fight the Bell Witch. Doesn't make sense, Jackson. Supposedly a direct quote. Another interesting testimony, and I mean that it was supposedly a direct quote, not like I said earlier, jokingly, it was a direct quote. Uh, Another interesting testimony given was that of one of the neighbors, Jesse Herring. Jesse and his wife had been gossiping in their own home, having a little fireside chat with one another, and the following day, the witch shared with the visitors that were at the Bell property and the Bell family that they, what they had been talking about, sharing that gossip. I like how it's called gossip when it's like a husband and wife talking. Yeah, but if you're talking about other people, I guess it's still gossip. It's still, yeah. So what's interesting about that is she never seemed to make herself known in the homes or properties of others, um, but she certainly seemed to be lurking around everywhere. Because like I said earlier, she was um, sharing a sermon from two different churches 13 miles away from each other that had happened at the same time. But now she's sharing gossip that was happening in another family's home uh, when they had no idea she was there. So that kind of gives more validity to the fact that she very well could have been a witch because I don't know that ghosts can be in multiple places at once, but witches may have that ability. I'm going to vote yes. Yes to what? To witches. Okay. Um, So subtly the entity eased up on Betsy Bell, but really started honing in on John. They started vowing, she started vowing, I'm sorry, to murder him. He did start exhibiting symptoms that his health was in decline. And in the fall of 1820, as his son Richard had recounted his father's final day, saying that father continued to suffer with spells, as I have already described, the jerking and twitching of his face and the swelling of his tongue. So it, there, and there are other accounts that said he had a really hard time swallowing for about a full year. And according to bellwitch.org, his declining health had confined him to the house where the malicious entity continuously removed his shoes when he tried to walk and slapped his face when he recovered from numerous seizures. Her shrill voice was heard all over the farm, cursing and chastising, Oh, Jack Bell! So that that's from bellwitch.org. That's a direct quote. Richard quotes and his father at quotes his father as saying, Oh, my son, my son, not long will you have a father to wait on so patiently. I cannot much longer survive the persecutions of this terrible thing. It's killing me by slow tortures, and I feel that the end is nigh. And on December 19th, 1820, John Bell went into a coma, and he did not wake up. But he still had a heartbeat. Nobody could wake him. Trying to revive him, the family went into the medicine cabinet and found a vial filled with a dark liquid. It was not his medicine. It was never prescribed to him, and no one recognized it. Then Kate happily said, It's useless for you to try to relieve old Jack. I've gotten him this time. He will never get up from the bed again. I put this in there and gave old Jack a big dose of it last night while he was asleep, which fixed him. In John 
Direct quote. Uh, in John's remaining hours, Kate sang and continued talking until he took his last breath on December 20th. Clearly interested and concerned as to what was in the vial. This is a little bit of a trigger warning for you animal lovers. They put a drop in the cat's mouth and the cat jumped and jerked around and then died almost immediately. So it would appear that he had been poisoned. At least it was a quick death. Well, hopefully not no, too painful. The cat didn't deserve to go, I don't think. No, it didn't. But I hate when the animals die, but at least it was a quick one. That's all I'm saying. But I think she was doing it kind of slowly to John because he was having issues for at least a year of bad health. Oh, well, cool. Um, so Kate didn't let up during his funeral either. Uh, I didn't find an exact date as of when his funeral was, but I'm just guessing that it was after the holiday since he died in December 20th. So the funeral was maybe January 1821, uh, which coincides with the accounts and when they talk about things years later. Uh, the service was one of the largest as people came from miles and miles. There were multiple preachers, at least three, who gave his a eulogy. John Bell was beloved by his community. Kate was not going to let him go in peace, though, as she sang and spoke several times during the e eulogy and burial. She continued until the last mourner left the gravesite. Once the family went back in the house after the burial, she kind of just went away. Um, she was definitely there for John. Exactly. So it would seem that tormenting John was her main purpose, and that had basically been fulfilled. Uh, Lucy Bell remained in the home after her husband's death until she died in 1837, approximately 17 years later. Then that piece of the property then passed to Richard Bell, who we've been using his accounts for a lot of the story. But the land had been parceled up amongst the children. So, and then of course, then they sell it or send it down to their kids. So there's a lot of different, it, you know, it's... It's no longer just one piece of property anymore. So that's not quite it. Before she departed from John Bell's funeral, the Bell Witch promised that she would be back in seven years to pay the remaining members of the home a visit. That sucks. As I would not want to hear that. I know. How, you're just how anxiety ridden. Yeah, yeah as you're yeah. counting down, especially that last year, like, come, oh, great. Come, yeah. Come, Kate's coming. Come 1828, I would be sitting there, like, for a full year freaking out. Because when is seven years? Are you coming on January 1828? I have until December 1828 to sit here and freak out. Yeah. So, when she did show up in 1828, she did not seem to have sinister intentions like she had in the past. Um, but she did primarily focus on John Bell Jr. She really just went and talked and sang and gave some premonitions. Uh, she did supposedly predict the Civil War, which would begin 33 years after this visit. And That's to, pretty cool. That would be cool. I Like, if that really happened... Yeah. I don't know, but it's like... You know, it's like, okay, it's like, we love Outlander, and in Outlander, oh, she's... a good show. She's time travels back into the 1700s, so she predicts... Predict. She knows things that are going to happen, and that's one of these things, like, how freaky would it be to know the Civil War is coming, coming? Because that is on your own land, and that was not... Yeah. A pleasant war. No, not at all. I mean... I mean, there's not... There's probably not much we can do about it coming, but, like, if you had some warning, you can, you know, do what they did in Outlander with the potato famine. Like, she warned her family to grow potatoes. Yeah, but like, it, we like... We could did try it... to, like, stop the extra suffering. All their things that she tried to stop, though, like the battles and stuff like that, that never stopped. Yeah. And even though it's not there yet in Outlander, she's... That it's about to come up to the American Revolution... Which, as unfortunate as 
you know, battles and all that stuff is. Like, I really hate it. I don't like war movies. You know, it, basically, Patriot. I just watched The Patriot on, like, July 3rd. One, that's a super long movie, and I so forgot long. how depressing it is. So sad. It's it's a really good movie, but so great. it's like, okay, cool, I'll watch you again in 10 to 15 years. Yeah. Same thing I do with, um, what's the other one I watch? Legends of the Fall. Oh, yeah. I have this weird need <laughs> yes. to watch Legends of the Fall, but it has to be, like, Maybe every five years because it's such a tearjerker. But then yeah. I go back to it. You have to mentally prepare for yes. a, a scene crying. I think I love the historical aspects of it, but and it's so, so heavy. It's Anthony Hopkins and Brad Pitt and his prime. Mm -hmm. And that other guy. And Elliot from E.T. And Elliot and the other guy. From Practical Magic. Yes. I'm sorry, we're bad at names. <laughs> you one, know, you know that guy. He has one green eye one blue that guy yes <laughs> from practical magic he had one green eye one blue. Yes. so the entity once again after telling him about the civil war coming in 33 years departed and vowed she would be back in a hundred and seven years to visit their descendants so that time would be 1935 when the closest relative lived in nashville his name was dr charlie bailey bell uh bailey bell is also very hard to say welcome to bailey bell bailey bailey bell, bailey bailey bell. bell. <laughs> say an auctioneer <laughs> no, he's a neurologist. Oh, okay. So, no, not at all. Smart man. Uh, he was the great-grandson of John Bell Jr. I'm sorry, bleh, John Bell Sr., the one that passed away in 1820. Uh, the descendants of the Bells were all well aware of the Bell Witch story, testimony, and documentation had been passed down to them for the last 107 years. So Charles Bell knew of the supposed return. Now what's annoying is he wrote a book in 1934 giving the first-hand accounts that his father had handed down to him, but he never followed up if she came to visit him in 1935. And Charles Bell died in 1945, so the mystery died with him. What the heck, so, man? I don't even know. I find that so annoying because I'm like, what a big part of the story. Did she come back 107 years later? I have to assume no... But if he if she did, then screw him for taking that down with him. I know, right? Like, come on. And it was ten years after she would supposedly return, so he had time. Um, that was time. That was time. No, uh, many do think that she would not have traveled to Nashville to visit a descendant. Maybe she was visiting another descendant, but that person also did not document or leave us any sort of information as to her coming. So. All right. Well, a pact between you and I and any listeners, if somebody comes down and you are the descendant of a ghost or a witch... Don't you know, be so disrespectful to, like, not share it. Yeah. Because the Bell it. Witch is one of the most famous legends in America. So yeah. to be like, yeah, I'm just not going to tell you if she came or not. Just tell me. Yeah, to further even prove it's real or keep the legend going. It's still a fun... Not, it's not the funnest story, but... It's still interesting. Right, it's to still think very about interesting. It. Yeah. So there you go. I don't know. No one knows. So there so, you go. So what's happening there today? So sometimes there are still strange noises, um, not solely on the Bell Witch, but it'll be like the sound of children laughter when children aren't there and just different things. Again, like we've said before, we need to always keep in mind that land is old. I mean, it's as old as Earth. Um so tons of different things happen on property. So there are several different supposed ghosts, um, but not ones that have really directly contacted anybody like the Bell Witch. 
You know, I don't know why I thought this thought and it could be random and you could cut it out. But we've talked about old land and people walking on it and that's so cool. How come of anything we've seen, I haven't seen a dino ghost? A dino ghost? I well, would you don't love see to see a dinosaur outside ghost. Outside of Nightmare Before Christmas, you don't see dog ghosts, cat ghosts. Well, people saw cat bunny things. But that, but that is like her. That's still the Bell Witch. That's what I was saying. Like, Damn it, she, I want a raptor ghost. Okay. That would be messed up. Okay, if every <laughs> living creature turned to a now you're trying to like plant ghosts. <laughs> oh, my favorite orchid from when I was a kid comes and haunts me. <laughs> I think you just start getting in a real gray area there. All right. Well, I like dinosaurs. I want to see a dino ghost. You don't want a raptor in your house in Montrose, dear God. <laughs> Uh, so, oh my gosh, I just, I just lost my train of thought again. Oh, sorry. so the, the land, uh, the, the remaining part of the Bell property is still visited today and new testimonies are given about different occurrences. Uh, mostly those, um, testimonies say that they hear strange sounds, see, they still see strange small flickering lights in the fields. Um, pictures and videos have been taken by ghost hunters, which do show light orbs. We've talked about light orbs before as it may be really the only way to capture enti any sort of, uh, entity or something like that. they probably don't form as an actual human looking thing, but like its spirit might be a light orb. Um, there was a documentary on the Travel Channel um, where the guy calls out to the witch, he's in the cave, and he calls out to the witch, asks her to give him a sign, and a light orb immediately floats up to him. It's really creepy. I don't know why, it just really gave me the creeps because... When you it, ask for a sign and immediately something happens. Yeah, a light orb floats yes. at you. And he he's like, oh my god, like he kind of like freaks out because I didn't think he'd realize any sign would be given to him. Yeah. And two times in there, there were very faint whispers. It was really creepy. And it was one of those things, like again, how they did talk about the Bell Witch. <laughs> I appreciate your sound effects. But kind of like they gave in the original accounts that you couldn't always hear exactly what she was saying. But of course, with today's technology... You'd hear the faint whispers and they'd kind of slow it down and stuff. And so she did respond. Um, it, it was kind of creepy. You need to go look it up. Um, so the property had and has today a cemetery and a cave. It's believed that the Bell Witch resides in the cave. The original legend doesn't talk much about the cave, but the property was, again, like we said, about a thousand acres. And they knew that there was a cave on the property. Um, so that part is real. But the Bell, the Bell family did not spend much time in the cave. I believe it was like in the back northern corner, if I'm not mistaken, of the property. So it's just not an area they spent much time in. And, of course, they're farmers, farmers after all, so they're just not hanging around caves. Yeah. Um, but there were small references to the cave from the original hauntings. At one point, the witch claimed she had been buried there or was buried there. There were men in the Travel Channel that focused their attention really on that cave. Because um, re it's really the only area you can visit today. The cemetery there, though, actually predates the bells. So it's pretty old. Um, but a few of the bells are buried there. Supposedly, there were several burial burials in the cemetery and the cave. This included Indian burials, mm -hmm. which is another theory of the hauntings that maybe Kate was in fact a Native American woman that, and this is a whole other story that's in the book. I didn't go into much detail about it just because there's just so many different things. But 
that she was missing her tooth, that her bones had been disturbed, and she, that's why she was haunting the house. And she said that her tooth was buried under the house. What? Yes. It's not funny, but it's funny. Like, I want my tooth back. Right. <laughs> Where is my toe? Oh, like those yes. really creepy stories to tell in the dark. God, that one's so messed up. I don't give this much merit, though. Um, yes, there is an Indian burial site, but the missing bones and stuff, I mean, that, that hasn't been, like, properly discovered or anything, so I don't give it any real credit, but they did say that the scratching sounds were the ghosts digging to try and get under the house to find her tooth. Oh, that's um, so helpful of them. No, the ghost was doing that. For her? No, no, what? the the ghost was an, a Native American woman. This oh, is the theory. Oh, oh, oh. And she was looking for her tooth, and that's what the scratching sounds were of the dog gotcha. or the rats gnawing. I, yeah, I think something is digging for something. Yes. So the actual home itself was dismantled in the 1850s, and for a while um, after Lucy died, it was used to just store grain and tobacco. There is a cabin that was on the property that has been moved near the cave. So where that land is located, that's why it has a cabin and the cave. Um, it was either tenant housing or slave quarters, but it's not the actual bell home. Um, but the, that cabin dates back between 1810 to 1824, and it's a little log cabin. And if those logs could talk, mm -hmm. that would be freaky, but really interesting as to what they had to say. Um, so you can today actually visit the cabin and the cave, and according to TripAdvisor, call ahead because they have odd hours, and Google apparently is not always up to date. People have actually shown up, and they're just not even open. So um, if you plan on going to Adams, Tennessee, and visiting uh, the Bell Witch Cave, call them first. People so, just show up, mm -hmm. and Kate's like, you can come past, but I will visit you later. But you know what? Actually, I'm glad you said that because I didn't write it down, but there have been accounts that um, cars won't start after they leave the Bell oh. Cave. And new or old, like there was no consistency as to like, okay, it's an old car, that's the explanation, or, yeah. yeah. Like a new car wouldn't start. And that's kind of the same thing like what happened to Andrew Jackson. She wouldn't let them pass um, with the, the wagon and horses. So I found that really interesting. People all, you know, so one person's gonna go in there and they're gonna experience nothing and they're gonna think this is stupid. And another person- It's taking a day off, you know? Right, like, even no, leave Kate alone, off. let's, whatever. Um, and I believe the cave is about 490 feet. Um, I was also reading a blog of somebody who went and spent uh, an evening in the cave. Oh. And he was saying that... Oh, I'm sorry. I, I did read a blog, but what I'm talking about now actually came from the Tennessean. I'm sorry, I'm just going off memory now. It was from the Tennessean, which is like a newspaper. These two men had spent plenty of times in cave. Like, they, they were cave guys. Um, and so they wanted to spend a night in the bell witch cave or the bell cave and there were nests of deadly spiders so they were like yeah we're not staying the night here but wow. being kind of in tune to caves and cave behavior they said there were lots of sounds that were not natural to the cave like things dropping or falling falling faint whispers like things like that that were not chalked up to this is just a weird cave sound. Because caves would have lots of sounds. Like yeah. water dripping and God knows just, what. Just one sound from, you know, 300 feet away would echo in a cave. Like, it, caves are just naturally creepy. Right. But. Exactly. And and loud and echoey and stuff yeah. like that. So, 
Um, anyway, the Bell Witch legend will continue on and more stories will keep coming out as new records and accounts and current occurrences near and around the cave uh, happen. But that is it for the Bell Witch and the Bell property. As I've said, Bell way too many times now. Uh, we hope you enjoyed the story. Like, follow, subscribe, haunted.real.estate on Instagram. Email us your haunted real estate story or stories you'd like to hear at hauntedrepod at gmail.com and follow us on Spotify to hear the latest haunted real estate story. Thanks for listening. Thanks guys. Have a good one.